Welcome to Product Voices, a podcast where we share valuable insights and useful resources to help us all be great in product management. Visit the show's website to access the resources discussed on the show, find more information on our fabulous guests, or to submit your product management question to be answered on our special Q&A episodes. That's all at productvoices.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Now, here's our host, J.J. Rory, CEO of Great Product Management. Hello, welcome to Product Voices. Artificial intelligence is such a fascinating topic. AI can simulate the cognitive functions that human minds perform, such as problem solving, learning, reasoning, even social intelligence. Um, Some of these innovations that are happening these days around AI are just amazing. Um, There can also be some learning curves around how to do it successfully, uh, ethically as well. Um, So, AI is a topic that you probably are hearing a lot about. Um, I personally am not an expert on AI products and platforms, but I'm just fascinated by the possibilities. So I'm really excited to be chatting with my guest today uh, on this really cool topic. Prayer Nicole is Senior Technical Product Manager at Amazon, where she has built AI machine learning products in the payments, healthcare, and Alexa domains. She's also worked at Deutsche Bank, Citigroup, and Walmart Labs where she has built industry-leading product innovations. Prerna, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, JJ. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited about this. I'm going to learn so much from you. So um, let's just jump in. Tell me just kind of the the foundation. How would you describe an AI platform? Sure, yeah. So I think to put it simply, there isn't uh, much of a difference between uh, an AI platform and a you know pure software platform. Uh, idea being that any platform product needs to be extensible, scalable, and reusable. Those are the three pillars that one would go by. I think the nuance or the difference with respect to AI is 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 really going into some of the of intricacies of building a model and deploying it into production and maintaining it and uh, refreshing and upgrading it uh, year over year, week over week uh, for a variety of different use cases. Uh, So I've spoken extensively with product managers who have launched AI products in the retail space, for example. Uh, They are building things uh, that are leveraged within a checkout flow uh, for for shopping-related use cases or um, building something in the smart assistant space, which is something that I'm working on. Um, in addition, um, you may, you, you're now seeing every industry being, being touched by um, AI products, and, and it really depends on kind of your use case. But at the same time, uh, how do you ensure that what you're building is extensible in some form so that you're not limited to any particular domain? Um, or limited to any, uh, you know, any particular set of goals or objectives, right? So there's a there's almost a tension between uh, moving fast and solving for one use case in a particular industry, but also going broad and uh, making sure that you're not targeting. Um, you may be targeting a vertical, but you're not targeting one particular uh, goal or objective you are uh, ensuring that in the future, when you have different objectives, those can also be uh, taken care of within that platform. So I'll give you uh, sort of a deeper example there. Um, The ML flywheel really consists of, uh, you know, different aspects in terms of exploring, preparing, training, testing, evaluating, 
deploying and updating uh, updating a model. So how does one ensure that you're efficiently doing all of those things while also meeting the business objective? Uh, the, the core of what uh, an AI platform is, is really capturing um, you know, the efficiency and the reusability of going through all of those steps while also meeting the business objective. Wow, that's an amazing uh, explanation of that. Also, uh, quite intimidating, I think. And, and that's why I'm so excited to, to speak with, with folks like you who, who've done this, who know what's, what's doing, because you, you tell me that. Um, and I know there are brilliant people out there like you working on this. But um, to me, that sounds almost overwhelming. Um, obviously, there's a lot of, a lot of great minds uh, working on this. But, but here's, here's a question. Um, for you, it's you mentioned this a, a little bit, but is there a difference, or or is there a way that product managers should think differently about AI products versus just other software products? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, the, the key difference, really, going back to you know fundamentals of product management, uh, the key difference lies in how we view the customer and who the customer is. So in this case, my focus has, as an AI platform product manager, been on ML scientists as the customer. Um, we we might uh, we might think of so other software platform products as having uh, different sets of customers. So, uh, for example, if I'm launching um, uh, something on the Shopify e-commerce platform, I may have small businesses as my customer. But in this case, uh, you will see that with AI products, uh, the platforms that we're launching are very um, even even with the even with sort of customer facing B2C use cases, there are two sets of customers. There is a customer who we're building things for at the end of the day and launching magical experiences for them. But there's also the scientist for whom we need to solve a ton of unique challenges that perhaps with other software products we might not have to. Um, so to keep it, you know, quite simple, this is this is still a nascent space in terms of the tooling and the availability of tooling for ML scientists. Every company that is making a foray into this space, be it the Ubers of the world or Amazon, Walmart, uh, Facebook and Google, they each have a unique set of challenges in terms of, of providing their ML scientists with reliable tools, uh, the right toolkit to actually uh, launch models more quickly, uh, ensuring that there is uh, some consistency in evaluating whether their model is performing well, um, and then ensuring that they can upgrade the model. These are like intricacies that one would not think um, would be a challenge as far as other software platform products are concerned. But here, really, the, the, the key or sort of the nuances, um, building something uh, for the B2C customer or another type of customer while also keeping the ML scientists front and center. So that is the nuance that I've found uh, to be quite interesting here. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, you know, making sure that you keep that scientist in mind while keeping the end consumer in mind or vice versa. I mean, exactly. and that's not an easy task, I'm sure, because I can imagine those two constituents being quite different uh, in their needs. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the scientists, I mean, I think that um, they, they really 
uh, of course, I, I've worked with a number of different great scientists uh, within Amazon, within uh, with my previous orgs as well. I think the challenge that they will find is uh, they are quite focused on solving interesting, interesting, innovative, you know, solving for, for an innovation, solving for interesting ideas. Uh, but bringing them back to the customer problem too is where the product manager really uh, comes into play. Sometimes, you know, you might, um, you, you have to often ask this question of, so what, um, you know, what is the what is the business impact of what we're doing here? Um, so that's another nuance that I wanted to call out um, that may not be uh, present in, in other uh, software products. Yeah, absolutely. So that that kind of ties into my next question, which is, have you seen some empathy building approaches that have worked best for for these types of platforms and for aligning uh, an AI and an ML organization? Absolutely, absolutely, Jay. So I think uh, taking a step back, you know, you and I have spoken about this earlier. Um, we, we've talked about how uh, there is there is a power in uh, having a product mind or product thinking in a highly technical organization. Um, and one of the things that I see that is that is unique uh, in in AIML role is you are often working with folks who are um, very driven to solve high technical challenges, um, and you really need to need to take a, kind of take a step back and bring in that approach of well. Um, are we solving the business problem? So we've spoken about that earlier. And I think the the interesting aspect of this is that there are some things that are new in terms of the um, the, the sort of low-level details of what you might need to do in order to build a successful AI ML product. But then also there are things that are not different. <laughs> they're, they're just one and the same in the sense that you also need to, need to continue to do those user interviews as a product manager, uh, in which case talk to your scientists. Uh, you know, in the past, what I've done is I've talked to, we have about five, or, five to seven ML scientists in our organization. I've spoken to every one of them, um, have a one-hour interview with each of them, trying to really understand the life cycle of what they do in order to build uh, an AI ML product and deploy it in production and maintain it uh, week over week. And I've recorded those interviews and I've, uh, you know, dived deeper into them and listened to them over and over again, really to get into headspace of an ML scientist. Um, that is nothing different from what a product manager would do in any other organization. So that's why I say it's, you know, it's it's unique, but it's also not so different. Um, another thing that uh, I would say in terms of um, sort of um, an organizational alignment is having a feedback loop. Um, so one of the unique things that I've seen here is uh, we often... Uh, we will go down the path of, uh, and I'm speaking at high level here, but we will go down the path of, uh, you know, coming up with an idea and executing on a solution, but then having that reflection of, and which is which brings me back to the initial point on how how to be a good, uh, you know, AI platform product manager and what's unique and what's different about this space is um, bringing it back as a feedback loop. So the next time around, you uh, execute on the same idea um, and have to align your organization. You are more 
you are more effect effective, more efficient, more productive, and you get to the right solution quicker. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's really great advice and good techniques. I also like how you said, you know, in, in some ways it may be nuanced, but it's um, very similar to, you know, gauging any any customer base or, or customer target um, and and love the technique of recording and, and actually talking to those scientists It's uh, and then listening again and again, because there's so many different things that you can hear each time you you listen um, to a conversation. So I think that's great technique. Um, I, I have a maybe a little bit more of a, t a tactical type of question. I'm curious how um, A-B testing in, in this space works. Like, how do you ensure something works or how do you ensure success? Uh, absolutely. I think um, there, there are layers of A-B testing within, within the AIML world. One happens offline and the other online. So when I say offline, uh, I'm, I'm speaking about the experiments that scientists do. We typically almost never launch a model in production without having conducted some sort of an offline experiment with a set of features, training uh, and testing the model on, on a set of data, production data, and then coming up with uh, offline results of what we believe the precision and recall of the model is. Precision and recall are typically the metrics through which we gauge a performance of a model. There are others, um, but these are the, the most commonly used ones. I can I can go into details of what, what the others are, but probably less relevant to this conversation. So what you will see is uh, that there are two layers. Number one is offline, which is uh, an experiment that a scientist would do. And the second is online once they deploy the model in production. How A-B testing works in the space is uh, it's, it's, it's similar, again, as I said, not so different. Um, the only nuance here is how do you make sure that when you're doing an A-B test, you are clear on uh, what is what is the you know, the new model bringing to the table in terms of features, and then what metrics you're testing them on, right? So uh, you may be testing for a business objective, a business-oriented metric such as, um, you know, how, how, many, how much revenue share did I increase? But you're also testing on the performance of the model. Um, and understanding and knowing what you changed, um, there are nuances in terms of, you know, explainability of features that we that we may uh, talk about with ML scientists where we talk about, okay, what are the new sets of features we're launching? Is this a true A-B test? Is this an AA test? Are these two different models altogether? Um, do we understand what objectives we're trying to hit? What are the success metrics? And then finally, what are the data sources? Are the data sources the same in both cases? Um, are you pulling the data offline versus online from the same places? So these are some you know, questions that uh, we, we ask that are um, sort of unique, but also you'll see that there's a pattern here. The A-B testing uh, is, is largely very, very focused on making sure that you have the metrics right, the success metrics are defined, and you're measuring uh, both both sets of versions on a similar, you know, you're, you're clear on what is the A and what is the B uh, in that in that sense. How you ensure success, I think, is uh, it, it's largely, you, you, you might be surprised, largely about communication with the scientists mm -hmm. and the uh, engineers involved. Um, 
because a lot of it is just making sure that we fully understand the problem and what it is we're launching and we are aligned on our mental model and thinking around it. That makes so much sense. I love that. And by the way, I, I'm going to um, ask you to come back and be an, a guest on a part two episode because I could spend all day long talking about this stuff with you and, uh, and, and go into lots more detail. So, um, but that's, that's a, a really great response to that question. I've always been a little curious about that. Um, so, so let me take it a, a little in a different direction slightly. Um, when Thinking of product managers in this space, what are what are some common traits and, and strengths that you've seen in successful AI and machine learning product managers? Absolutely, and I've I've had the opportunity to meet many in my career so far, and I'll, I will say that, and I've, I'm quite grateful that I had the chance to interact with some great product managers, um, both peers as well as uh, seniors in my career. I think a few common threads that I've seen is um, there is a there is this aspect of resilience uh, with AIML product managers that's unique because um, I do I do see that there there could be longer lag times as far as launching ML products is concerned. So um, those lag times could be introduced by the fact that we we may not have enough data to actually train or test a model and deploy it in production, or it could also be introduced by the fact that. AIML is new to an org. Um, so getting different stakeholders within the org aligned and sold on the idea of, of AIML, um, that, that is you know, one, one uh, sort of situation that I've also seen happen. In addition, um, there are complexities and nuances that um, only the scientists understand, but then they may not have the know-how to make sure that what they're launching is, is you know, uh, meets the right set of business objectives and fully understanding the business problem. So there is this aspect of resilience for sure. Second thing I will say here here is uh, AIML product managers have to be uniquely curious uh, about the problems that they're solving. It requires um, just another level of um, really understanding the challenges, the customer problems, diving deeper into all of the intricacies and nuances of what you're solving. Um, where with software products, I think, uh, because largely the sets of inputs and outputs are well-defined, um, there, there may be less of that. But here I found that it is, uh, it is definitely a, a, you know, a curiosity bug that one needs to carry <laughs> that uh, one may not succeed uh, without. Um, third thing I will say is, uh, and, and this is again, common, common trait to all product managers, but also for AIML, it is true that partnering, partnering well with your engineers and your scientists is, is mission critical. I've seen uh, some some great product managers who partner so well with their with their scientists and engineers, but may not have a technical background. Um, they really just understand how to communicate with their with their with their stakeholders and engineering partners, and they're able to build that trusting relationship uh, to within the team to really launch some some great successful products. And I've definitely found that to be quite true in in this space as well. I love it. Love the, love the advice. Um, it, my final question for you is one that I like to ask all of my guests and um, it comes down to kind of resources that, that can potentially be shared with, with the listeners in case they want to augment the learning. So in your journey as, as 
you know, to becoming an AI product expert. Um, what what investments have you made in yourself as you grew and and learned along this journey? I will say that there is definitely a spectrum as far as uh, investments is concerned. Uh, on the one side, you will see uh, a lot of a lot of what what needs to be done in order to be successful in the space is more about intuition, getting um, an intuition around ML AI. Uh, so you're able to bring that thought leadership to the table. That's one end of the spectrum. Other end of the spectrum is really diving deeper into the technical aspects and the details and uh, talking hard skills, right? So both for, for both sides, I would have two sets of recommendations. On the one hand, on the intuition side, um, I have found some great books that uh, were particularly useful to me in my journey. So uh, I was fortunate, actually, um, when I was at the uh, University of Toronto, where I had the opportunity to learn from uh, some stalwarts in the AI space, including Jeff Hinton, uh, he's a Nobel Prize laureate, um, Siobhan Zillis, who was a, an active speaker as a, as a venture capitalist in the Creative Destruction Lab at, at University of Toronto, and Professor Ajay Agarwal, who's also a thought leader who kind of brings in that uh, market for machine intelligence uh, perspective. Um, so they gave me exposure to a lot of great courses and books uh, as far as understanding the intuition of AI. Um, two, two books that I would recommend are Super Intelligence uh, by Nick Bostrom. And that's something that I actually have a book club around. We're reading that book together and really just discussing it as a topic. And um, Humans Need Not Apply, which is a book by Jerry Kaplan. And that really gives you the idea of uh, how, how our world will change when AI ML is the norm. Um, and then how will wealth work? Uh, how will income work? How are we thinking about um, you know, the, the core capabilities and expertise that people can offer versus AI? So it really goes into some, some of those aspects. So I will say, yeah, reading books around just understanding the intuition uh, will 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 be super powerful. I found it, it to be very interesting. And uh, I, I also am a big fan of sci-fi, so I, I just love learning about this stuff. Um, on the other hand, uh, um, other end of the spectrum, there are courses. There is material that you can learn, um, including uh, Andrew Ng's famous uh, AI, AI ML course. Um, on Coursera and uh, multiple, you know, topics that you can pick up uh, on Udemy as well. And I'm happy to link those resources for the audience. Uh, but I will say that there, there is an investment that is required on both ends. In addition, I think one must not forget that learning from the people around you and continuing to refine your thoughts through uh, experts that you meet on a day-to-day -day basis is, is perhaps as, as true as ever for AI as it is for any other uh, PM role. Those are wonderful, wonderful resources. And yes, we will um, have links to those on uh, productvoices.com. So you'll be able to find uh, information about Prerna and, and connecting with her. And also we'll link to some of those um, those resources that, that you mentioned there. So uh, Call. this has just been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for sharing 
uh, your wisdom with us. I have learned a lot. I know the listeners have as well. I uh, would love to have you back and talk more about this because it's just such a fascinating topic and, and love your perspective on it. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks again for being here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And thank you all again for uh, joining us on Product Voices. Again, you can find out more information on Prerna and the uh, links and resources that she discussed on productvoices.com. And thank you for joining us. We hope to see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Product Voices, hosted by J.J. Rory. To find more information on our guests, resources discussed during the episode, or to submit a question for our Q&A episodes, visit the show's website, productvoices.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. 